All right, well, good morning. That's, I'm here. My name is James. I'm one of the pastors here. If you are a guest, I also, along with Sabrina, want to welcome you. Uh, we kicked off a series last week called Finally Alive, uh, and it's a summer series, so we're going to take it all the way to uh, September. And what we're doing is we're looking at what has been referred to uh, historically as the spiritual disciplines. Okay, Some have said uh, these are merely the habits of Jesus. This is how Jesus lived his life by the Spirit in the presence of his Father. And so these are practices, habits that have been practiced by Christians from from the beginning. And so we're talking about things like Bible reading, things like memorizing the scriptures, service, worship, prayer, fellowship, confession. Uh, These are often uh, known as uh, disciplines of engagement. And then there's disciplines of abstinence, like solitude, silence, fasting, uh, secrecy, sacrifice. So every Sunday starting next week, we're going to be taking one of these at a time and unpacking how does this bring us more of God? How does this change us? How do we do this? So we're going to be talking about the spiritual disciplines one Sunday at a time. But today we are in part two of what we began last week, which we were looking at the anatomy of the spiritual disciplines. How do we, how are we to think and feel about them before we start going into them? What, what is the right biblical view around spiritual disciplines? What should we have running in our hearts? What's the mechanics of it? I, I want us to be really clear before we begin these disciplines. What's happening? What are we doing? And so today, part two is all about what fruit should we expect? What are the disciplines when we're doing them, when we're placing ourselves in the presence of God? What should we expect is going to happen in our lives? But before we get there, I want to do a little bit of catch up because it is part two. So the first thing I just want to remind you of uh, is that the first part of spiritual disciplines, the spiritual part we made clear last week, um, doesn't mean like new agey, how do I muster up this spiritual feeling? Uh, What we meant by spiritual is that which is caused and shaped by the Holy Spirit. And so these disciplines themselves, they don't change us unless the Holy Spirit's in them, moving us into the presence of Jesus. And so we, we need the Holy Spirit as we do the discipline. And so one of the things we said is we can flip the switch, but only he provides electricity. We can turn the faucet on by getting into the presence where God will flow, where his presence flows in these disciplines. But, but unless the spirit of the living water is there, they won't change us in and of themselves. And so we need the spirit. This is a heart that says, I want to present you I want to present myself spiritually in relationship to the Holy Spirit. So that's we unpacked that last week. Um, so the spiritual habits, to be clear, are all about getting more of God. They're all about hearing from him. They're all about communing with him. They're never about earning God's favor. They're never about twisting God's arm to get something or trying to fix yourself They are about, when we're doing them, they're about readying your heart for an ongoing saturation in the waves of his grace, opening us again and again to our need and dependence on him. These disciplines, they're about having the heart and the responses of Jesus. They're about enjoying Jesus more than anything else. That's what you're doing when you're doing them. You're wanting to enjoy God. And and so follow me, part two is shaped by this sentence. Through that time with him, where you're seeking to enjoy him and hear from him, 
you will inevitably see a growing desire to be like him. You'll have this thing in you, and I want to talk about it the whole sermon, this thing that God is doing in you relationally to become like him, to be made holy. And this is the call of the Bible. We saw this last week. Paul said, take regular action to get more of God in your mind and your heart. We take the action. He, he says it this way in 1 Timothy 4, 7, train yourself for godliness. Train yourself. And, and one verse I didn't show you, but I'll show you right now. He says this, for the grace of God has appeared. Why? Bring in salvation for all people. That's what, grace, that's what grace does. He saves us by grace. But what does that grace produce in us? Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and what's our word? Godly. Godly lives in the present age. And so as we pick things up today, this is what I want to excite you in. I, I want to excite us this morning uh, to have a hunger after what God is wanting to do in your heart. Namely, he wants to form in you godly character. He wants to form in us to become godly men and women who look a lot like Jesus. That's what he's going to be doing as we enter into these disciplines. And I want to excite you, but I want to prepare you for, for what that's going to produce in you. There's going to be some things you don't like, and I want to tell you what those are. And then I want to close by telling you um, pursuing God in these disciplines pleases him. And a part of our motivation in, in our Christian walk is to please the Lord. Okay, so I'm trying to do a lot. So you can pray for me. I'll pray for me right now. And I'll pray for us, and then we'll do that. And I'm, I'm going to try to say it again. But I, I think this is what God wants us to, to hear from him today. So let me, let me ask for his help. Father, I just thank you that you're with us. Lord, we're here because you have brought us here. That skip in our heart, that, that move, and however we got here was not just us, was not just our spouse, was not just this desire we had this week, but you have something to say. You want to you meet and open our hearts in a way that we can't make happen if you don't do it. And so I pray that as we unpack this time, you would just awaken us to what you're doing when we meet with you that you're after our hearts becoming more holy, that you're after our lives having more joy, a deeper kind of joy that can only happen in the purifying work of your spirit. So I just, I pray that those things, those sentences, those truths would just be lit up by your spirit. Help me teach with great clarity in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Okay, so the question is, what should we expect as we bring ourselves into God's presence? Because that's what we're doing through the disciplines, through these habits of grace, what, what Christians do. Um, and I want to I give you my sentence I wrote. The grammar's horrible. So if you're, if you're an English student, I'm sorry. Um, but I want to give you my sentence of what I'm going to try to accomplish in this sermon. And then I'm going to give you some points of how we're going to accomplish that. Are you with me on that? So, so here's my sentence. So um, what time in his presence will do is it will show you the spiritual temperature of your own heart and relationship with him. And that's a gift. When he shows you that, that's a gift because it's there, when he's revealing that to you, where the gospel matters and where the interior character and holiness of God is being shaped. 
Let me say it this way. He's making us holy in our hearts. What I want to show you is that's what he's doing. And I want to show you this because I don't want you to be surprised when fasting, when solitude, when time memorizing his word, when time in his presence shows you the spiritual temperature of your own soul. I don't want you to be surprised by that. I don't want you to be surprised where, where most of us will, be, will get frustrated. You'll find at times in your pursuit of God, you'll do these disciplines and, and you'll get frustrated. Why don't I care? Why am I not this? But you'll get, you'll get all in that. And what I want to say to you is that's a gift because that's telling you some things. God's showing you some things. It's in those times you will see, hey, I think this thing has too much power in my life. Or maybe I'm trusting in this to give me more or what only I could get in relationship with God. Maybe I'm looking outside of God to give me what only he can. In other words, you should expect a purifying work of God. And I I don't want you to be discouraged when that happens. I want you to go, yes, this is what James said would happen. God's not far from me, okay? That's what I'm after, because he loves you there. He loves you there. So that's what this whole sermon is gonna be about. And then I wanna make sure again, like I said, that that you see your motivation to to love the Lord and pursue after him pleases him. I just wanna show you your, your good works are not filthy rags. They're not, it's not biblical. I'm gonna correct that, okay? So if you're taking notes, three of you, Here's, here, here we go. You ready? We're going to look at the fruit is our holiness. So we're talking about what to expect in spiritual disciplines because we're going to a whole summer. You're going to stay with us the whole summer. No one's going on vacation. The whole summer, this is what you're going to do. The fruit of this time with the Lord and his presence is going to be our holiness. The field in which that is going to take place is our hearts. Okay? And then the faith we show pleases God. So, So the fruit is our holiness, the field is our hearts, the faith we show pleases God. So the fruit is our holiness. Let me begin by showing you that holiness is what God is working on when we get with him. I just want to show you that in the Bible, don't take it from me, that God's glorious grace is a transforming grace, that that he's rescued us to renew us in godliness, that he's wanting to form in us to have the heart and the responses and life of Jesus. That's what I mean by holiness. When I say holiness, because holiness is a spatial term, it means other. And so the most holy person was Jesus. So to become holy would be to have the heart responses and life of Jesus. He's producing his image in us, godliness. So that's what I mean by holiness, okay? So now I wanna show you, this is what God is doing when you get into his presence, okay? Here we go. Ephesians 1, three to four. I got a few verses for you. He begins, blessed be the God and the Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Okay, now this whole sermon needs to just be um, heard with this foundation. He chose you out of sheer love. Like he, he, before there was a sun or a moon, he had your name, your, who you were saved 
So in salvation, we don't initiate, we don't create, we don't contribute at all. Christianity, if you're new to the Bible, really glad you're here. Christianity does not begin with doing. It always begins with receiving Jesus, his pardon, all that God is for us in Jesus. Let me say it this way. It wasn't that we desired God. And then we had to just soften his heart. We had to melt his resistance to us. That's not how this worked. The other way around is he desired you. And then he softened you to him. So if you believe in Jesus today, if you're here in this theater and you're a Christian, it's because God determined to bring you to himself and listen, give himself fully to you. He determined to give himself fully to you. This is what he's doing in the disciplines. This is his commitment. His commitment is to shape in us what God's done for us in our hearts and in our relationship with him, which leads him to say what he says next. So back at the verse. Before the foundation of the world, that is our purpose. We should be holy and blameless before him. That's where your relationship with God's going. If you're a Christian, that's where it's going. Let me give you another verse, same idea, but, but my job is to show you the Bible. So 2 Timothy 1, 8 to 9 says this, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to what? A holy calling. Saved us for a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose. And grace, when did he give that? According to this verse, when did he give you grace? Before the ages began. And it's a whole different sermon, but that's powerful. So sure, church, when God saves us by the grace and righteousness of Christ, he saves us so that we should be marked by the righteousness of Christ. That, that's why you have all throughout the Bible, just verses like 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, for it says, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. The context here is sexual sin, adultery, lust. But look at, and there's a few verses before, and I'll show you them, they'll be up here. In verse three, he says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification you're growing in holiness. That's God's will for your life. This is a word, by the way, that means the act of being more personally dedicated to God. So how many of you have ever had that person come up to you or you've had that question deep down and you're going, hey, what's the, will of God from, what's the will of God for my life? What does God want for me? Have you ever had that? Have someone ever come to you and said, what is his will? You just take him here. Take him here. Go first Thessalonians says, here's what God wants to do in everything he brings into your life. Holiness. He wants to shape you to have the heart responses and life of Jesus. That's what he's doing. This might free some of you today, but God cares more about who you become than what you do for him. He cares more about what you become than what we can do or what he does through us because all of that's been having holiness in his heart for you. He, then he says this in verse four, that each one of you know how, so that's what we're talking about, disciplines to control his own body in holiness and honor. 
Okay, so the Bible says, look at another verse, Hebrews 12, 14, strive for peace with everyone and strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. In other words, holiness is not an option. You're gonna get holy. Not not an option. In the right of Hebrews, he says this, talking about the practical outworking of our accepted love position. He says, work at it, strive. Holiness must mark out all those who would have fellowship with the holy God. Holiness should mark out anyone who has fellowship with the holy God. We should, we should be like, oh, Lord, make me more holy. Give me more of the heart and the responses and the life and the mission and the devotion of Jesus. I want that. It's in my, it's in my core. So this, this is what he's doing. So I, I just want to show you this in this first point. But commenting on this, D.A. Carson says this, people do not drift towards holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness, prayer, obedience to the scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift toward compromise and call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience and call it freedom. We drift toward superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide toward godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. And so there's a call for us to strive. Now, and I'm sorry if you weren't here last week, but remember the striving isn't us fixing ourselves with good behavior. Like God's not just after behavior modification, which takes us to the field by which this striving and this holiness is happening. It's a striving to come to God, especially when he's showing us the truth of what's really going on in our hearts. So let me explain what I mean. When we're disciplining ourselves to getting more of God in our minds, in our hearts, okay? So when we're fasting, we're praying, we're opening the Bible, we're seeking to spend time enjoying Christ, what we'll find, the more we do this, is that our hearts will, they will cough out things that we don't like. So these habits will, in their times, give us great heights. I mean, you will, you will have great times with the Lord. Don't get me wrong. You will have times where you just feel his presence and in there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. You will have these times. But, but, but Christians over the centuries, spiritual writers have written much into this. You will also experience times where those habits expose either apathy. You'll be like, I'm, like am I not a Christian? I just don't care. I don't care. I don't care. You'll, you'll have that. And if you don't know what to do with that, you'll get discouraged. You'll, you'll, you'll have this, you'll have times where he exposes some dark areas, maybe some worry no one knows about. You worry though. You live in this, this anxiety that your spouse maybe has tapped into, but no one else knows this stuff going down. And he'll till that up. Maybe you have this, this vice can't go anywhere without this vice coming up and you feel trapped and, and he'll bring it up. We won't like it. 
And the key in that moment is to remember the field where God's mercy is needed and is working on is in our hearts. In that moment, the moment I just described about us, that's a gift. You, you think gift. You think yes. Uh, yes. You hate it, but you're thinking gift. Why? Why do you keep saying that? Don't keep saying that without explaining it. Okay, we'll explain it. Why is it a gift? But hold on. The other key to remember, I've said this already, when God is doing this, he's doing this because we presented ourselves relationally to him. In other words, what gets coughed out is what God is working on in our relationship with him. God is working on your relationship with him. He, he's after you. He loves you. In the same way, like a father, my kids will never not be my kids, but I'm always working on a relationship with them. I'm always wanting to give them more of me. So he's, he's working on your relationship. The Old Testament is filled with relational language, husband, wife. So God loves our relationship. He loves your relationship. Some of you don't think that, but he does. And so you said, James, this is a gift. So before we get to the gift, I just want to, because my job again is to show you this is in the Bible. So I want to show you now um, that the Bible is full of passages where God's pursuit of making us holy is in our hearts. So let me give you a few. They'll be on the screen. Here's what Paul prays in Ephesians 3. He prays that, uh, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell where? Someone yell it out. In your hearts. Good. Okay, I'm gonna set you up next time. Mark, this is for you. May the Lord direct your, yes, to the love of God. This is what he's doing. He, just, he wants to direct your hearts to what we are made to find all our happiness and joy over anything and everyone else, God, to the love of God, to the steadfastness of Christ. Luke 12, just so you know, he tells a rich young ruler, sell everything you have. He doesn't tell everyone to do that, but he tells him to do that because for this man, money, to lose money was to lose himself. Money was his true savior, his true hope. And Jesus saw that was ruling his heart. And then Jesus said, for your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Also, in Joel 2, we read, we read this. And notice the relationship language. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting. That's a discipline. With weeping and with mourning and rend your hearts, not your garments. I don't care about your obedient acts or you're just, you're, you're just covering yourself with good deeds. I don't want that. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Notice this word, return. That's a relationship word. So holiness is about dedication more than about behavior modification. Are you with me? So holiness is more about the Holy Spirit chasing not just our outward stuff, but what's ruling our hearts underneath. So you might, you might be here and, and you 
you're the kind of person who just lashes out in anger. Okay, don't raise your hand. But if you're that person, you're just a rat, okay, raise your hand in your heart. If that's you, you just lash out in anger. Or maybe you're that person who just looks lustfully everywhere you go or you, or you ignore God and what he's leading you in your sexuality and dating life. Or maybe you're this overeating, overshopping. You just love to just feel safe and happy in those things or your gossip, you just want to get ahead. What he's chasing isn't those things. He's chasing what's at root. What's truly driving and ruling your heart, what, what you're really attached to, the true field. And again, that's a gift. So when you're doing these habits over the summer, I'm telling you this now so you're not surprised when those things get tilled up. Why is it a gift, James? Here's why it's a gift. It's there on that field where you will see you need him to change what you can't. It's there you will see you need him to change what you can't. It's there you throw yourself at the mercy of God. It's there you begin to stop depending on you. It's there that you will gaze in a full array where the beauty of God and his love for you and his forgiveness for you is far better than anything else. When you come to an end to yourself, you will gaze at the power you finally need. And that'll happen over and over and over. And he's working and we need to embrace. Hear me on this. What the spirit is spotlighting, not hide from it. We need in our disciplines when this happens to say this, God, God, why do I worry? Don't just go to the Bible and be like, hey, don't worry, don't worry. You know, he feeds birds and stuff. So no, read that chapter in Matthew and go, why? Take me on a journey, God. Take me on a journey into my heart. Why am I worried? What we're saying to him in these disciplines is, God, will you explore this worry? Will you explore this jealousy? I know you've forgiven this already, but cause and shape me out of it. I want, I want to, I want to Spend my time looking at your beauty. What am I looking to in these things that I already have in you? What I'm saying is, is, is let these disciplines open you honestly. Just let them open you. Because God wants your heart. Ask God, why do I like the feeling of feeling loose at night, which is why I drink too much? Ask him. He's a real person. Ask him, why? Why do I want that? Why am I worried about getting noticed in the praise at the office? Father, what's really driving my anger? Jesus, show me what has more power than you in my heart. Why do I get so jealous and envious when I look at these Facebook posts? What's underneath my constant need to judge people? Don't run from that. 
don't try to push that guilt feeling that Jesus died for, but take it to him and say, this is where I need you. This is where I need you. I can't fix myself. And apart from me, apart from you, I can do nothing. Stay in it. This is how spiritual formation in a real relationship with God works. Because his holiness is, again, not about our perfection, but about our reflection of God and our communion with God. Okay, so let me explain this on a marital level. Maybe this is where I was helped. I was thinking through this. When I sin against Nikki, my wife, she's not in here right now because she's in the ages two to three, so we're good. Um, but when I sin against my wife, okay, um, and I hate it. Okay, no one wakes up and goes, I want to harm some people today. Like, we don't wake up wanting to sin, right? I don't know if you do. You should, that's something to pray about. But no one wakes up and going, you know, I want to talk harsh to her today. I think I'm going to explode. Let's bring it on. We'll get some breakfast, get things growing. No, we don't. It, it, it comes out of our hearts. So when I, you know, when I'm short and I hurt her or ignore her or I find myself not seeking her alone, do you know what happens in my heart? You know, I, I, I always confess it. But or acknowledge it, and I. But here's what happens in my heart. I want to say to her really quickly, as as quickly as I can. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, forgive me. Let, let's. I, we shouldn't have that. I, you're right. And deep down, what's happening is I have this self-centered uh, desire to get out through this ugh, this air that I don't like. I don't feel good about it. Um, what I want deep down is peace. I just want to have peace. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can we have peace now? That's what's going on in my heart. Here's what I don't do what I don't realize, what I'm not after. I'm not after entering my wife's grieving heart. That's what I'm not after. And what will happen and sadly often does if I don't pursue how my mess hurt my wife's grieving heart, our relationship will stay in this kind of fractured, similar state, we'll be fine but it's not getting pure, it's not going deeper, and I'm not loving her more. But if I do, if I say, can you tell me how this has grieved your heart? There will be opportunity for me to not only hate that sin more and not want it there, which is a gift. It's forgiven sin. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Every sin he highlights is his work to make you holy. So it's a gift. It doesn't feel like a gift. But not only will I hate it more, I'll, I'll get to experience the kind of measure of the love and the grace of, of my wife's heart that has been changed by the gospel. I can tell you there's nothing like the pain and glory of that. I can say I've never felt overwhelmed by my wife's heart more, more close to her, more intimate with her than when I see her mercy. And when I see her love and the generous response of God. And I want to love her more deeply. Listen to me, that's getting holy. That relationship is becoming a little bit other. 
And so I want more of her and I, and I don't want the sin that wrecked it. So let me say this is really clear. The pleasure I get with my wife when times are good is a kind of happiness, but there's another kind of happiness and pleasure I get when in my marriage, I'm getting more pure. This is what God's doing. It's the same with our relationship with God. When we sin, ultimately all sin is against him. We're ignoring God, we're pushing him out, and we grieve the spirit of God. And, and yes, Jesus died for our sin. There's no condemnation. But do we care about what's really happening in our love relationship with him? Yeah, all our sins were future when Christ died. The father doesn't see our sins in a judicial sense but he's not blind to them. It breaks his heart. Have you ever thought to enter into God's grieving heart? Have you ever thought, Psalm 51, a broken and contrite spirit I will not despise. Have you ever thought, I think, I don't think that was good with us. I'm really sorry. Maybe it's here on that field he's wanting to capture your heart with his grace and love because it's right there. You'll see it. You'll become so overwhelmed with God and his grace and his mercy and you'll sing that song, His Mercy is More. And you'll start crying and you'll be made more holy. You didn't do any effort You just enjoyed God. The disciplines will take you there. So instead of getting mad at yourself, because this is where I want to help you, because there's some like weeds that we can get caught in these disciplines. Instead of getting mad at yourself because you're not feeling him and you're thinking, well, I must, must be doing something wrong. I don't get these like chills anymore. Maybe instead of thinking I'm not feeling him, God's showing you that truth where you need him, where you need to say to him. This is so important. Let me say it this way. Uh, it, when, the, when God is doing that stuff with me and, and Nikki, when God's changing me through our relationship, I don't feel these like flowery chills in that moment. I don't feel close, right? I'm not like this, you know, weird teddy bear just trying to hug her and she pushes me. No, I'm not. I don't feel, we're like, this is, the, this is not, we're not feeling it. In those times, I'm not getting explosive, satisfying emotional boosts. But in those times, that's not what it's about. So what we need to expect in our disciplines in the Christian life is that God growing our holiness is not just about those close feelings or having emotional highs. Too many Christians live on those highs and get very confused when they're not there. And if we think, okay, don't miss this. If we think those things, those highs, and those emotional, oh, I felt his presence, that kind of is an indication of our closeness with God. When we don't have them, we'll think we must not be doing something right. Or we'll think God's absent, but he's not. And unconsciously, you may not say this out loud, but you will begin to measure the presence of God by how it feels. 
you will begin to measure the presence of God by how it feels. And so if you're not feeling his presence, you'll think something is wrong. He must not love me. He is not close. I am. It's not about us getting those close feelings. David Powelson, he's a biblical counselor, probably the best biblical counselor alive right now. He says this, the true gospel does not allow God's love to be sucked into the vortex of the soul's lust for acceptability and worth in and of itself. Rather, it radically decenters people what the Bible calls the fear of the Lord and faith to look outside themselves. The disciplines will feel like carrying a cross and dying to yourself. What they'll do when you're bodily forming a habit, when you're fasting, when you're in silence and solitude, is you're teaching your soul to die to yourself so that you can enjoy Jesus, follow Jesus, and know him more. That is where true freedom will, will lie. And so short church, love it. When God says, I want to come into your heart. Why? Because that's the safest, sweetest, most gratifying place for your soul to get the fellowship and healing you long for. It's where you'll run to his grace. You'll throw yourself at the mercy of the cross and allow him to progressively produce the holy desires you long for. So let me ask you this. How's the field of your heart? Are you, are you ready to, to say, God, I'm not afraid to lose this vice, to lose this thing anymore. You, 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 can, you can play on the field. I want you and I'm not gonna hide. Have you heard God many times to you say, this is where you need me? Will you take me on a journey there? Will you take me on a journey in your jealousy? Will you take me on a journey in your apathy? He's real, like he's living. He will do that if you talk to him about it. Like he's a real God. So the disciplines are, are you saying, here's my heart. Speak what is true. Transform what I can't. I don't have the responses in the mission of Jesus and I want to be fully devoted. Again, we're, we're going to give us many ways we can practice this, but my only application for you as it was last week is you pray those things. You pray them. And some of us have responses that are just, God, I honestly just don't care. Look, that's not a surprise to him. So this is the fruit of our holiness. The fruit is our holiness. Second, the field is our heart. Expect that. It's a gift. Take him there. He's already died for you. He loves you. He's working on your relationship. Third, you need to know that every 
ounce of movement towards God pleases him. What I'm trying to say is I want you to celebrate all week. Like I want you to celebrate a lot in this summer. I want you to be like, woo, I fasted a whole day. I want you to be so excited about that. Woo, I gave to someone and no one knew about it. You know, when I was a kid, I tried to do that once because I was like super into like trying to grow as a Christian. And so I read about like, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. So what I tried to do is I tried to like shovel everyone's lawn, but they always came out at night. They're all, can I pay you? Fine. Yes. I couldn't even do it. Jesus, I don't know. I tried. I tried so many driveways. Got paid a lot that day. But, but you go, yes. So um, I want you to know what God feels when you pursue him. You need to know how he feels. He's a father. He's a good dad. Okay. No, no father. If, if you're, you sent your kids to clean their rooms and they cleaned it, but they put the books on the wrong shelves, would be like, that's filthy in my sight. No, one. you wouldn't call it filthy rags. Okay, so let me, let me talk about this because I don't know if you grew up in the church, but there's this um, saying that I've heard many times that, hey, all your, all your good uh, deeds, all your best effort is like filthy rags in God's sight. Have you heard that? Anybody hear that? Now you can show up. Okay, just Jeanette. You guys are going to love this. The third point is going to be really applicable. So, so th- where do they get that? Well, there's a verse in Isaiah that says, um, your, it says 60, in Isaiah 64, 6, it seems to say even your best deeds are dirty and worthless. Okay, I don't have time to unpack the whole context here. But in context, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders who are without any heart, just offering these quick uh, sacrifices without any sincere faith or wholeheartedness. They're just throwing out these sacrifices to appease God, and, and he's just calling that, I don't want that. So he's not saying all, all works of pursuing God are, are filthy. In fact, he says this, and I have this verse up for you. In the verse before that one, he says, you, God, meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. So here's my point. Don't equate obedience with perfection. Meaning, remember, expecting perfection from ourselves or others is not what holiness is about. Holiness, again, is about enjoying Jesus more than life. It's about having the heart and responses and life of Jesus. But you'll have to fight for this because here's what's going to happen. When he's tilling things up and he's, he's working on your relationship, you're going to feel like me most of the time. I feel like I live in the city of like, I feel like I live in guilt city. Like I'm always like, I'm not doing this enough. I don't share my faith enough. I'm not good enough. You know, I'm the worst at this. I could pray more. I could do this more. I could share my resources more. I live in that. So I'm often fighting that. But here's what you and I need to hear. God does not expect our good works to be flawless in order for them to be good. If God only accepted perfect obedience from his children, the Bible would have nothing good to say about Job or David, a man after his own heart, Job who was blameless in his sight, Elizabeth, and we could keep going on. But it does. Paul always says, I make it my aim to please him. Colossians 1.10, we studied this, says those who bear fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God are pleasing to God. Romans 12.1 says, when we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, that pleases God. In Romans 14, he says, looking out for your weaker brother pleases God. In 1 Thessalonians 2, teaching the word in truth pleases God. 
Supporting your family members in need pleases God. That's verse, chapter 5, verse 4. Sharing, others, sharing with others pleases God. Hebrews 13. Keeping his commandments pleases God. 1 John 3. This means this. Even the smallest acts of obedience, of pursuing God through the disciplines, is an event worth celebrating. In God's eyes and his heart, our righteous deeds are not only not filthy, they are exceedingly sweet, precious, and pleasing to him. God is a father. God's a good husband. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, he, he is in your life to cherish you, nourish you, and present you holy. He's in your life to nurture your soul and give his love. Romans 8.32 says this, He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So you have, to, you have to remember, he's not waiting for you to impress him. Like he's not waiting for you to impress him. The Spirit's working in you to work out your salvation, to make you more holy. The fact that you and I are going to screw up really bad this week doesn't put him off towards us. In fact, he's going to use that to grow us. We may not be where he wants us yet, but you know what? My daughter's still in a diaper, and I don't get enraged when I change it. I know she's going to come out of diapers, hopefully, soon. So, so like, what should we expect when it comes to the disciplines? Expect you will get more of God. That he will plunge you into joys where he's so much better than anything or everything else. But you should also expect... He's going to plunge you into your own heart. Where God wants you to stay there so that he can transform what you can't because what he's going to do in that transforming grace is he's going to create in you the essence of holiness, which is a hunger and thirst for righteousness, for God. And you'll have, as we talked about with the mountain biking, the reflexes and the responses that came from those times with him. So expect God to do that. It's better than anything else because when he comes into your heart, your hope, your joy will not just be in getting the healing alone, but will be in connecting to the healer. Let's pray. Father, we are amazed at the whole nature of salvation. Like the death of Christ for our sin in our place was, was a means by which you brought us into the greatest relationship that will last for eternity. Our highest joy is you above anything else in this world. And we exist to make that joy in you known. Like we exist to show people Jesus is our savior. He is better. He's our security. He's our righteousness. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. That life by faith pleases you. So Lord, excite us to be Godward. Excite us for godliness. Excite us to just trust that those dry times are not necessarily or not at all you telling us that you're not for us or far from us, that you're with us. You're, you're revealing in us some things that we can't change. And I pray, God, when we come to you and we ask you to explore that, when we say, will you journey on this? Will you get it out? Will you show me what I'm looking to outside of you? Will you till those things up? Lord, give us your mercy and grace to cling to you and find, find you. So that pleasure in you defeats pleasure in anything else. Help us. We pray for our outdoor gathering. I do pray that you would use us to invite people. I pray that as we unpack the Bible the first week, that you would get us already hungry right now. And I pray as we examine ourselves, as we respond, that you would hear us say, you can have the playing field. You've won my heart. I want to fully devote myself to following you. Take me on a journey. I just pray for that. I pray we would, we would give you those areas, those things that you just stirred in us, this whole sermon. You sifted, and I pray we would respond and we throw it back at you. In Jesus' name, amen.